Well, good evening, church family. Uh, happy Wednesday evening to you. Uh, we want to thank you for joining us in this time of Bible study. Uh, let me ask you to get a copy of God's Word and find the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 3. Uh, we are going to read the entire chapter tonight, and then I want to bring a message to you entitled, a life of influence, a life of influence. While you find your place in your copy of God's Word, uh, let me just commend you wholeheartedly for your giving recently uh, to the work of the ministry here and also to the Annie Armstrong Easter offering for North America uh, missions. I am very pleased to tell you not only have you met the goal of $43,000, but you have surpassed it, giving to date almost $45,000. And so uh, we simply want to praise the Lord for that. And we want to remind you that uh, we are leaving that open through the end of the month. So you just have another day or two to give to that if you would uh, like to do so. But again, Thank you so much for your uh, generosity. In uh, 1 Samuel chapter 3, this is the occasion, of course, of God calling to the boy Samuel and uh, God calling him to be a prophet and a leader. So let's pick up reading in verse 1. It says, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he, that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed God, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. 
Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision. But Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, here I am. What was it he said to you, Eli asked. Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, He is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. And Samuel's word came to all Israel. A number of years ago, James Dobson, Dr. James Dobson of Focus on the Family, wrote a book entitled Life on the Edge. And in that book, he gave the analogy of God's people being referred to as sheep. In some of the comparisons that uh, herders and ranchers have said that are between sheep and people, just some of the commonalities and characteristic similarities. And they noted in particular a herd mentality among sheep, how they will... Uh, follow a leader, sometimes uh, blindly, even going to their death. And James Dobson gave this quote in the book. And I just simply want to read this paragraph out of his book, what he writes about there. He said, I observed this herd instinct a few years ago in a documentary on television. It was filmed in a packing house where sheep were being slaughtered for the meat market. Huddled in pens outside were hundreds of nervous animals. They seemed to sense danger in their unfamiliar surroundings. Then a gate was opened that led up a ramp and through a door to the right. In order to get the sheep to walk up that ramp, the handlers used what is known as a Judas goat. This is a goat that has been trained to lead the sheep into the slaughterhouse. The goat did his job very efficiently. He confidently walked to the bottom of the ramp and looked back. Then he took a few more steps and stopped again. The sheep looked at each other skittishly and then began moving toward the ramp. Eventually, they followed the confident goat to the top where he went through a little gate to the left, but they were forced to turn to the right and went to their deaths. Influence. Many people desire it, perhaps only a few really have it. We know that influence can be for the good or the bad. You know, when you think about Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount, he says that we're to be salt and light, we're to be people of influence. You know, I think about this time that we are in as the church. Uh, as we are in the midst of these stay at home orders, uh, I think it's more imperative than ever than that in our relationships, in our interpersonal relationships with friends and family members and co-workers, you and I exercise the type of Christian influence that we should have. 
You know, if the Great Commission is going to be spread, it is going to be spread right now one-on-one -on -one as you and I engage with our neighbors and those in our circles of influence. And so, folks, we've got to be salt and light. We've got to be men and women of influence. Well, let's cover some aspects of Samuel's life because I think we learn something about influence from this story here. And it's going to give us some ingredients that go into our own Christian influence. As I've been asking you to do, I hope you'll take some notes. And number one, I want you to write down God's call equipped Samuel for a life of influence. As we begin reading in chapter uh, 3 in verse 1, we see something very sad there. And what we notice right off is that sin had silenced the voice of God. Think about that. Sin had silenced the voice of God. It had brought a negative impact to the country. Sort of reminds me of Mark chapter 6 when Jesus went back to Nazareth. The scripture tells us there that Jesus could do no mighty work among them because of their unbelief. You wonder where it had all started for the people of Nazareth. Where had the slippery slope begun? Had they fallen so far that that they could have the Son of God standing right there in their midst, having done so many mighty miracles, but He would not work in their midst because of their unbelief. Folks, do we understand the price that we pay for sin? Sometimes we think sin doesn't matter, and it does. I think of the story of Achan, in the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 6. Uh, spiritual victory could not belong to the people of God until sin in the camp had been dealt with. You remember what had happened in that story. They'd gone up against Jericho, defeated Jericho. They were going next up against Ai, and they could not overtake Ai. Because Achan had taken some of the spoil from Jericho that God had commanded them not to take. So because there was sin in the camp, God would not give them victory over Ai until they had dealt with Achan's sin. So you see, folks, sin has a negative impact, sometimes not only on ourselves, but on those around us. Well, here in the opening pages of 1 Samuel, we see that God had quit dealing with His people for the most part. Again, verse 1 says, The word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. I want you to remember the period of time this was. The people of God did not have the full canon of Scripture. And so if the people were going to hear from God they had to hear from God's prophets. And God would speak to the people through the prophets, and He would also speak on occasion in dreams and in visions. But all of that, we're told, had dried up. How sad. 1 Samuel chapter 2 had reminded us how wicked the sons of Eli were. 
Now, the people must have been just about as bad because nobody seemed to care that God wasn't speaking. Apparently, no one was really going out of their way to inquire of the Lord. And so a word from God was rare. The heavens were silent. Perhaps there are some people today that don't ever sense their heart being warmed. Maybe you remember better days spiritually. But... Those days seem to be few and far between. You have God's Word, but still things just seem to be so cold and the heavens are silent. God seems so distant from you. Why? At bare minimum, let me say, I think that is an invitation from God to look at your life. Has, been, has God been trying to get your attention about something? Maybe months or years ago, God put something on your heart that He wanted you to do, and you've been trying to resist that. Maybe there's ongoing disobedience. Maybe there's something in your life that's a hindrance. Perhaps there's sin in your life, and, and a word from God has all but dried up for you. Maybe God's been trying to get you to deal with a relationship that you know is not right. Perhaps things on the, ins, uh, on the outside of your life are exactly the way you want them to be. Uh, maybe you're comfortable. You don't want God shaking things up. You're, you're fine with the heavens being silent because if God speaks to you, it might shake things up. God might call you out of your comfort zone and you're not ready for that. God's invitations can be scary and we sometimes want to back away from them. And so maybe you've shut God out. Folks, isn't it ironic that in the Bible when God called people to serve Him, they always had to get out of their comfort zone. So oftentimes we just want to serve God within our comfort zone. But we have to get out of our comfort zone to be obedient. And again, that's the pattern we see consistently in Scripture. So what do you need to do for that to happen? And as I mentioned a moment ago, is there something in your life, a sin or a hindrance that's keeping you from obeying God? You need to deal with that. You need to confess that and repent of it. And you need to make your life submissive and surrendered to the Lord again. Ask the Lord to, to give you a clean heart and renew a right spirit within you so that you will hear from Him and know what He's asking you to do. In the midst of the darkest hours, God speaks to those who are willing to listen. When the culture is the darkest, God's servants can shine the brightest, if only we will. Folks, what we must do is not grow discouraged. We must not give up. You know, the Bible says we are to come out from among the world, the people of the world, and we're to be separate. We're in the world, but not of the world. Just because times might be hard, just because times might be difficult, doesn't mean that God's not speaking. And it doesn't mean that God is not wanting to use you in some way. I think of the dark days right before Noah's flood. God still spoke to Noah 
And Noah responded and God used him. When the children of Israel were in bondage in Egypt, what did God do? God spoke. He spoke to Moses. And Moses finally listened and obeyed. Folks, God speaks. But again, are we listening? Will we make it our driving passion in life to seek the Lord? To hear His voice through His Word? Is your passion to know God and to know His will? I hope so. And I hope that passion will be seen in your life and in my life in the fact that we, we live a clean life before God. We repent of sin. We seek Him with our whole heart. Second thing I want you to see with me tonight. Samuel's condition equipped him for a life of influence. Write down verses 4 through 8. What I want you to notice there is that God's call came to somebody who was already serving. Now, not always, but oftentimes in the Bible, God would give a bigger assignment to someone who was already faithfully serving. It's the case of being faithful in the small things. As Jesus said in the parable of the talents, you've been faithful with a few things. Behold, I will put you in charge of many things. A lot of times people are not faithful in the small things. Nor do they have themselves in a place where God will speak to them. They don't keep their quiet time. They never open up their Bible and give any serious study to it. They, they never go to Sunday school. They, they never serve. If you stop and think about it, they seldom put themselves in a position where God typically speaks. Whether it's public or private devotion, they just aren't very faithful. And then maybe they wonder why God seems so distant. I think of a situation with Charles Spurgeon, probably the most famous Baptist preacher of all times. Where would the world be today without the influence of Charles Spurgeon? When Spurgeon was a young man, he was unconverted, and there was a terrible snowstorm in London that had shut everything down, and he purposed that day he was going to go to church. Now, obviously, God was dealing with his heart. Uh, but what would most people do? They would say, you know, there's a terrible snowstorm outside and we're not, we're not going to get out. Well, Spurgeon started walking. And he walked and he walked and he walked until he found a church open. He walked through the doors. The preacher wasn't there. There was a layman filling in. And he said that that layman preached truly one of the worst sermons he had ever heard. Now, you got to give the layman credit for trying, but... Spurgeon said it was a terrible sermon, and, and the preacher uh, had as his text, Look you unto the Lord, all you ends of the earth, and be saved. That was his text of Scripture. And he finally ran out of steam of anything to say, and so he just kept repeating that verse over and over again. He fastened his eyes on young Charles Spurgeon and said, Young man, look. 
Look, look to the Lord, young man. And Spurgeon said, in that instant, I did look to the Lord and I was gloriously saved. Think about that layman. The faithfulness of that layman in a small thing. He may not have preached a very good sermon, but but he was available to let God use him. He was faithful in the small things. Folks, it shows how important it is to be faithful in the small things. Here's Samuel. Back to our text, we see Samuel. He was faithful in the small things. He's ministering to the Lord alongside of Eli. You remember uh, Samuel's background uh, earlier in his life in 1 Samuel chapter 1. Uh, Samuel's mother was grieved because she didn't have a son. So she prayed to the Lord for a son and promised that if God would give her a son, she would dedicate him to the Lord all of her days. And so God did give her a son, Samuel. And true to her promise, she dedicated him to the Lord. And she took him up to the temple and left him there to be raised at the temple with Eli. And so we find him in chapter 3. He's living there at the temple. He's serving the Lord. He had a servant's heart. He's a doorkeeper at the temple. He's faithful in the small things. He, He had a servant's heart. He tried to assist Eli the best he knew how. Well, he thought Eli was calling to him. Every time he thought Eli was calling to him, there he was. He respected Eli's authority and he would run and say, Here I am. What can I do for you? And this happened over and over again. You know, God's after somebody like that. God's after somebody faithful in the small things, and then he's, he's a responsible servant to Eli. He's learning to be under authority by the authority of Eli. He's, he's showing that he's going to be responsive to God's authority when that opportunity comes. God's after a servant's heart. Again, when we're faithful in the small things, he gives more. And that's what he's going to do with Samuel. He's about to get a promotion. Folks, don't ever think that the small things don't matter. Every morning, think about it, Samuel has been going to the temple doors, opening the doors up. What some would say is a very mundane task. He's getting things at the temple ready for the worshipers who will show up. He's getting everything ready. He's taking care of those behind-the-scenes type things. Service like that doesn't draw a lot of attention to itself. We know when it's not being done, but if it's being done faithfully, maybe nobody notices. And that's how Samuel's life was. Again, I just want to challenge you. Be faithful in the small things. Because God takes notice of that. And it's through those small things that God may just call you to a bigger assignment. 
A lot of people today want to go straight to the big assignment. And that's generally not how it works. A lot of people want the visible positions or they want the title. They want the pat on the back. They want words of praise. They want recognition. But again, remember what Jesus said, if anyone wants to be great, let him be the last of all and the servant of all. Be faithful in the small things. Well, Samuel was also receptive to the word of the Lord. You read there in verses 9 through 14. Receiving the Lord's word is not always an easy thing to do. You know, for one thing, we don't hear so well. The, the world is so loud. And oftentimes, we're preoccupied with other things. Maybe even other people can get in the way. But Samuel ended up doing exactly what Eli had told him to do. Uh, Eli recognized this was God calling to him and said, Son, next time he calls, say, Here am I. So Samuel did that. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. Well, you look next at what happened. You see that receiving God's word demands accepting the difficult as well as the comfortable. God gave Samuel a difficult word. In fact, the next day, the next morning, he really didn't want to tell Eli about it. We love the comfortable messages, don't we? God's promises. Uh, we might even buy little books, God's promises, and we memorize all those verses. But how about the difficult words we get from God? Sometimes God's Word's difficult. Sometimes it chastens us, disciplines us, but it's still God's Word. We may want to do anything but share what God has told us. And yet that's what God calls us to do. Uh, you notice what's going on here with, with Samuel? Samuel the next morning when Eli kept trying to ask him, what did the Lord say? Eli finally had to say, son, you got to tell me everything. Uh, just as the Lord told you. And Samuel did. Gave him that difficult message. So again, it's an encouragement to us. An encouragement to us that whether the message you receive from the Lord is to your liking or not, you're still obedient to it. Samuel told Eli everything God had said. He didn't withhold anything back. So here he was. He was faithful in the small things. He was submissive in his life, working under authority. He surrendered his life to the Lord, received a difficult message, and ended up telling Eli what that message was. What I'm wanting you to see is along every step of the way, Samuel was responsive to God moving in his life. And he didn't shy away from anything. Can you and I say the same thing? When you think of what God has told us to do, 
And God's told every one of us to be fishers of men. Sometimes we don't, we don't want to tell anybody about Jesus. We'll visit a nursing home. Should we do something like that? Absolutely. We'll visit somebody in the hospital. We'll do all kind, anything to get out of telling others about Christ. And yet Jesus says if we're going to follow him, we need to be fishers of men. Folks, we need to be responsible in the small things, but we've also got to be obedient to do everything God's commanded us. And we see Samuel uh, follow that pathway in his life. What a great example he is being to us here. Well, the third thing I want you to see, the consequences of a life of influence. Look with me at verses 19 to 21. Let's read those verses. It says, The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. Samuel and the people were blessed. God was with Samuel. Samuel was faithful. He responded in obedience. God was with Samuel. God started speaking to the people of Israel again through the prophet Samuel. They ended up being blessed through the life of Samuel. You see, Eli and his sons couldn't be counted on anymore. Eli's sons were wicked. And so God raised up a prophet who would be faithful in the small things and be obedient and even speak the difficult messages if that's what it took. God was looking for a prophet like that. He raised up Samuel and he started speaking to the people again through Samuel. And so the word from the Lord came back to Israel through Samuel's influence. Who's God after? He's after people like Samuel. He's not simply after the mighty, the noble, the brilliant. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he says, Consider your calling, my brethren. Not many of you were noble, not many wise, but God has chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. God's not after the great people of this world, great by worldly standards. Because oftentimes, what would they do? They would stand back and call attention to themselves and what they were able to accomplish. God is after people who, were, who will faithfully serve Him and point others to Him. God gave Samuel success. We see that there in verse 20. And the people respected Him. People will respect when we're true to the Lord. Not everybody will, but for the most part, I think God's people will. People respect the genuine thing when they see it. God blessed the people again and gave them His Word. What a beautiful verse, verse 21 is. The famine of the Word of God was over. Just like Achan had had a negative impact 
on the people in Joshua's day, Samuel had a positive effect upon the people. Samuel was set apart for the Lord. He was called of God. He had a servant's heart. He was faithful to human authority. Even in the small things, he was receptive to the word of God. He was obedient in even a difficult task. He was a blessing to the people. What does all of that spell? I think it spells I-N-F-L-U-E-N-C-E. Influence. How about you today? Is God speaking? He does speak through His Word. But are you listening? Are you opening His Word and diligently studying it and saying, God, what would you have me do with this? Where are you today? You say, well, that's obvious. I'm here, right here where I am. That, but that's not what I'm asking. Is your heart, your mind, your body and soul in, in a place where God can speak to you? Are you humble before Him and, and seeking Him and dealing with sin in your life? And are, are you faithful in the small things? Why not say, Lord, that's exactly where I want to be. I want to be at that place where everything about my life is in tune with you. I don't want to be a stranger to you, God. I don't want to be a stranger to your word. I don't want to be a stranger to the things of God and then wonder why God's distant. What has God asked you to do? What has He asked you to do? Maybe a difficult task you're trying to avoid. Maybe something small that you want something bigger. Folks, listen to God, be receptive, be faithful, whatever avenue God puts you in. In your marriage, in all of your family relationships, at work, be a faithful servant every different direction you look at your life. Seek God, be responsive to Him, be obedient to Him. And you know what? If you and I will do that, I think at the end of the day, we're going to end up having more influence. More influence for Jesus' sake than we could have ever engineered on our own. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the life of this young man, Samuel as we see how you were working in his life, moving on his heart, and we see what a tender and responsive heart he had, first to Eli and then to you. Lord, it's such an encouragement to us in how we should be. Lord, help us never shy away from the small task. Help us never to shy away from the difficult things you tell us to do. Lord, when everyone else may ignore you, 
We think of Eli's sons, how they were sinning against you and ignoring you. May we be like Samuel. Lord, may we be in that position to hear your word and to live lives of being ambassadors for Jesus Christ. Lord, if we'll do that, we'll end up not just being a blessing to ourselves, but to everybody around us when they see our obedience to God and what God does in and through that obedience. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us tonight. I do want to remind you to be listening up on Friday. Uh, We will have another update, uh, video update to bring you on Friday. And also with the governor's plans of reopening North Carolina, uh, we just want to remind our people of what that is going to look like uh, for us. And so we'll be talking more to you about that in our Friday update. And also be praying about Sunday. You know, uh, this Sunday is the first week, of course, in May and Traditionally, every year, we celebrate the lives and influence of our senior adults. And we want to do that Sunday. I want to bring a message that I hope will be a blessing to them, but a blessing to each of us uh, to finish well and to continue to, to be available to what God is calling us to do. So the message, while directed at seniors, Sunday will certainly have application for everyone. Our men's quartet will be singing. Uh, We'll be hearing from one or two of those involved in our senior adult ministry. And so we think it's going to be a blessing to our whole church family. So be praying about that service. And again, uh, be looking for the Friday update that we will be bringing to you just two days from now. God bless you. Have a great week.